Eric, how are you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like uh, I might be getting a little sick. Um, so this might be the last episode that we record of movies last night, in which case, let's make it a good one. Yeah, that's right. Sick of 2022. Yeah. yeah. Would you keep the podcast going if I die? <laughs> uh, I would say... Uh, I, I might say yes in, in some fashion or another. And then I would say no, because I don't know how you put it together. I have. I, oh, okay. I, yeah. I, like, te- yeah. like technically I have no idea how you do this. Oh, okay. Well, it's actually not that hard. Um, but yeah, but that's nice to know that you'd replace me instantly and just keep going. Well, I mean, I would <laughs> replace you with Zach probably the, 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 tr- well, yeah. the true showman of the, the true showman, the Southern gentleman. I would actually request specifically that you do replace me with Zach when I when I die. Um, so who knows? Next episode, movies last night could be you and Zach. Um, that's that's a nice way to start it. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit discombobulated today. I know this is our farewell to 2021 episode, um, but it's also kind of interesting because 2021 was the year that we started this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, uh, quite a lot happened for us in terms of like, in t- like our involvement involvement with movies uh, stepped up a little bit, shall we say, and we got a little bit more serious because we were doing this. Not a lot more serious, just a little bit more serious. Oh yeah. Um, so I was thinking today we we spoke earlier on today, but I was kind of gonna see how you feel about twenty twenty one, like as a whole, in terms of this obviously this podcast um but it was also the year that you and i started going back to the movies um mm-hmm. i think we didn't go to the movies in 2022 sorry in 2020 after the initial lockdown yeah it, we didn't start going again until this year yeah so that was a, a big break for us not to be because we were like constantly at the movies pre-pandemic um so yeah how do you feel about 2021 um as far as going back to the yeah, as far as going back to the movies and everything, I I mean I I think I had a pretty positive time. Um, mm-hmm. There was never, for the most part, there was never any like situation where I was like, uh, I could have missed this one. Or I think everything that we saw pretty much. Um, I had a good time, man. I mean, there were some there were some silly stuff that I I don't think I would have normally gone to by myself, but uh, going going with you and like having the experience and like the the having fun in in the movies uh, with with you and and talking about it afterwards. I, I mean, some stuff we we saw and we didn't really uh, talk about. I don't think so. Did we? We didn't talk about like the Fast and the Furious. No, actually, funnily enough, um, so the first movie we did for the podcast was The Empty Man. That was our first inaugural episode. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, and I think that almost that week, we saw Fast and the Furious, um, the Fast and the Furious 9, but I think it was before we, we like, we weren't in a pattern of just, like, movie, show, movie, show, movie, show. Yeah. Um, and I think we were kind of playing it by ear, so... It never actually got to the point where we recorded that. Now, we did record two additional podcasts. We did uh, No Sudden Move, mm-hmm. um, 
which we actually ended up airing when I took a vacation to Las Vegas uh, a month or so ago. Yeah. And then we also have another episode that we recorded because we both watched The Kid Detective um, with uh, Adrian Adam Brody, yeah. um, which is a fun movie. But we did an episode on that, but I think that was when we were just kind of cutting our teeth yeah. and just like trying to it, figure it out, you know? Yeah, there was some stuff. Um, I think there was a couple episodes that are that were kind of very different than what we do now as far as like the flow and and how we kind of discuss everything uh those first couple ones it was very um i don't i don't want to say like definitely wasn't academic in any in in any way but it was just very it was kind of sterile maybe you know, because it was very, I think it so. was very yeah. kind of cut and dry. It was like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, sort of thing. So, yeah, um, it, there wasn't like a natural flow that I think we, we kind of, uh, we found along the way. Yeah, like a couple of experts. I mean, not right now, the podcast is just like, it's smooth as butter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of. Yeah. So, um, so what how do you like so was the transition of going back to the movies for you like um having taken such a long break mm. if, if it felt feel pretty natural um in the beginning no in the beginning it was very kind of strange um i even think there were there were a couple times where we had canceled seeing some stuff because so, so many people had shown up or booked tickets or whatever. And, and we were kind of still in that, in that point where we were, where we were like, ah, I don't want to be surrounded by too many people. Um, that sort of thing. So yeah, I do remember there were a couple movies that we, we canceled out of, and then we went to see them at a different time. Um, but I think once everything kind of, settled down in a way where we got comfortable being there and comfortable with seating comfortable with people were like respecting distance to a degree and um and it felt it started to feel a, a little bit more comfortable to to go back to it. yeah it, it that's true and in in, in in a lot of respects i feel like it's more comfortable it feels less sketchy now than it did then, and it's way sketchier now. You know what I mean by like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I yeah. feel like I'm so into my rhythm in it. Actually, of all the places like that, gross me out. Like the movie theater actually grosses me out the least of all the places that I go on a <laughs> daily basis, um, which is kind of weird because it's like everybody kind of yeah, everybody respects their space. Everybody kind of books unless it's a busy screening. Everybody kind of gives themselves some space between other people, so there's like an unwritten rule where people kind of obey that kind of. Um, it just doesn't feel yeah like I feel far grosser in my job than I do <laughs> going to a movie theater. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was an interesting transition. I I feel like. Um, just like you said, I even forgot about that. I forgot that that we were initially booking screenings or booking to see shows, and then we were like, uh, 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 looking at the seating chart and watching it fill up, and then be like, uh, let's not do that, you know? Yeah. I, I yeah. forgot that we even did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I know there was it was kind of like um, 
you just like it's like you forgot how to swim and then you, rather than jumping back in the water being like oh, i'll be fine you're kind of like sticking your toe in being like Ugh. but like once we were back in the flow of things i felt like it just felt well it'll never feel like it did pre-2020 but if it feels like we've got like a new a new rhythm you know what i mean for, mm-hmm. for movies and like hanging out like that yeah it'll be interesting to see um what this year kind of pans out as um i wonder i kind of wonder how how like um how everything will kind of adapt to it because because of like the movies being made the movies being put out stuff like that so we're kind of in the beginning of um it seems at least uh all those um 2020 releases or or like early 2021 uh releases um that got pushed back almost in a way how it how all that will kind of pan out yeah i feel like hopefully this year i'll be less playing catch up yeah that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean yeah for sure for sure because i think the only the main holdovers now that have been continually pushed is like top gun Mm-hmm. is still being pushed um i think that might be the main one because i know it was like june was a big one no time to die was a big one but i feel like top gun's the one that was still because top gun was 2020 release and now we're heading into 2022 and it still hasn't came out mm-hmm. um so that'll be interesting to see but i think you're right i like hopefully now we're kind of the 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 catch-up point where everything that's supposed to be coming out starts coming out yeah and it, we get like, but I feel like they just postponed something else recently, didn't they? And I can't remember what it was. I feel like I read something about something getting pushed back again. Um, I mean, oh, I, it was that. Yeah, I wouldn't be Morbius surprised. movie. Yeah. Oh, did it get pushed you know, back again? Stu- oh. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? It looks absolutely appalling. Just get it out. <laughs> Stick it on bloody Redbox exclusive or something. Yeah. Um, I just think that's funny that they pushed that one, but they pushed it from like. Like a graveyard shift, which a graveyard slot, which would be like a March, April. Mm-hmm. I think they pushed it till a summer release. I think. To me, that looks like a February type movie. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, that thing has February written all over it. <laughs> like. But yeah, that's fun, and I'm pleased that you. I'm pleased that you mentioned that you were like. Um, got to see some movies that you you normally wouldn't have went to see but because obviously me and you will go and do it like yeah you're right you wouldn't have seen fast and the furious and but i feel like you and i even pre this the the pandemic when we would go like i remember you and i would just go and see, we went to see that chucky movie remember that last time <laughs> oh yeah chucky movie that came out yeah, yeah and uh and we were both had a good laugh at that and then um I also remember, I actually vividly remember us watching Pet Cemetery, the remake of Pet Cemetery. Um, that was a good one because mm-hmm. uh, it was just you and I. And, and it was, that was in like the Dolby screen. That was in a big screen. Oh, and it yeah. was just you and I for that. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, yeah. Fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It was just nobody then. We just talked the whole, whole way through the movie. And it's <laughs> funny because this year, um, during the the 2021 i actually caught that movie the protege which is um like a a spy female-led spy uh thriller with like samuel l jackson and then i think it's maggie q i think her name is Mm -hmm. in um 
I think it's like a Martin Campbell movie. Anyway, I called that at the movie theater. And what was funny about that is I, I went and I think that movie came out in like the height of summer. And I went, it was on a Friday night at my local AMC, not the one we go to, the one in here in Nashville. And um, Friday night, opening night, and it was like a seven o'clock showing. And I was the only person in the theater. And that was a trip. Yeah, That was like going to see a movie like in the apocalypse, you know, <laughs> like um, like in The Last of Us or something. And you find a movie theater, you go and sit it in, it's still working. Um, I Yeah, I'll vividly remember that one too for a long time because that was really weird. And I just kept, I kept watching the movie. And then what I do is I'd like get up and I kept going to different seats to try and figure out which was the best viewing angle in the theater. <laughs> and, and I just did it every like 10 minutes just to test all these different spots out. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you can, uh, you can only do that like, I guess, a couple times. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, I'm just a spoiler for the rest of the episode. That movie's not on my top 10 list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would laugh if there was like one person who was who got there before you, but was like slunk down in a chair somewhere just watching. Like, what is this yeah, guy right. doing? Oh, like the kids that work there were like in the booth watching, watching through the little thing, being like, "What's this guy doing? Is he completely insane?" <laughs> Definitely, well, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I I kind of feel I've I enjoyed twenty twenty one at the theaters. I I did. Um, this will come up, I think, as we get into our episode and, and we talk about the movies on our list. Movie-wise, I don't think it was the strongest, yeah, I, like, on record. Um, obviously, it had a lot of problems. But, like, for me, I don't think... It It didn't feel like a particular, particularly heavy-hitting, yeah, in terms of stuff that I really loved. Yeah. Um, did you kind of get that vibe? No, I, I really did, that you bring that up. I, I did. I mean, there were some stuff that really kind of resonated with me and stuff that I did mm-hmm. enjoy, but... Um overall yeah I, I i agree with that it, there wasn't like you know four or five movies that or you know three movies really that that it were so hyped and anticipated and super excited um to see and I I don't know. It, it was like there was some good there was some good stuff out there and some stuff that that I really did enjoy. Um, but yeah, it was it wasn't like it was like a year of movies where it's like the the summer movies hit right and the the um, the fall movies hit right and like everything just kind of hit just right in a row and it it, it had that nice kind of. There wasn't that nice kind of crescendo that that usually happens towards the end of the year. It almost seemed like yeah, for sure, because stuff got pushed a certain way, or or <clears throat> there's still some stuff that I want to see that got pushed into twenty twenty two. So it was it was yeah, it was it was different. It was different. I mean, there were like I said, there was some good stuff, but it was it was almost anticlimactic in a certain way. No, no, I agree. I, I, I've been thinking about it a bit and um, I'm grateful. Well, I, I think I'm grateful for the experience of 2021 and being able to get back to the theatre more as an excuse just to hang out, like as cheesy as it sounds, to hang out with you socially mm-hmm. uh, outside of where we work and in to hang out with like 
this that was the year that I started hanging out more with Zach and like Jason and Chris and and everybody who was coming to the to the movies with us and who was like contributing to the podcast. Spencer even yeah. Um, these these names might mean anybody to anything to anybody that's listening to this, but like I feel like that's my biggest takeaway from the year is like my enjoyment of seeing a movie with friends. Yeah, is yeah. is what kind of like re. I was reinvigorated. I feel like I'm definitely starting to struggle. And I noticed this going through my list in like compiling things. Like I understand the the argument of uh, cinema as a means of escape. So like you can leave your troubles at the door and you can sit down and watch a movie. I think increasingly over the past year, heading into this year, I'm really starting to struggle with being able to do that because I kind of feel like, whilst I understand you can disconnect and watch something and it could be like, um, it could transport you from, from where you are right now. I think personally with me, I'm struggling because I'm seeing so little of what we have right now in the world Mm. reflected back in theaters that the disconnect between the two is starting to like irk me. Now I'm not saying that I want every single movie I see to every, every, for everybody to be wearing a mask and somebody being like, Oh, don't touch that. Or like sand six foot back in the, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't mean that I want movies to be like, this is post pandemic America or anything like that. But I feel like my, the disconnect between my reality and the art that I'm consuming because is so great and it's even greater than it was beforehand that the gap is starting to get a little too wide for me. Mm. And I feel like that's why I'm starting to struggle to love things because I'm starting to get frustrated with things because whilst I understand the value in having something soothe you or take your mind away from things, I also, I also, I'm struggling to feel myself recognized in the media that I consume. And that's getting, I feel worse as time goes on Mm. Um, because it's almost like the media that I consume. And I'm talking about not just movies, but I'm talking about TV too, because they're the two main forms of media that I consume. Um, It's that their almost refusal to recognize the polar shift in the way things have operated for Mm. at least some of us is starting to, or at least myself, I guess, being selfish really when I talk about this but it's it, that's starting to irritate me so much and I, I can't really verbalize what I'm trying to say but no yeah I mean I understand I think that just takes a few years to kind of catch up you know yeah for it's, sure time will have yeah. time will have to pass and then what they typically do is they will they will catch up to, to what everybody was experiencing and then they'll try and capitalize on that I guess I suppose, yeah. They'll cap- I just feel, yeah, I feel like I need to, it, it could just be an issue with myself. Like, I need to resolve that issue myself, like, before I can really allow myself to connect to other things. Mm. I have to get over my own disconnection from everything, which this isn't a therapy session. Sorry, Eric. I didn't mean <laughs> to get on the couch and start. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I've just, I just noticed that, like, like, I don't know. Yeah, there's the, the, I just feel a little distant from, from everything. Mm. Um, and going back through and looking at things, I'm like, well, yeah, I like that. But did I love that? You know? And like, and it's just, it's a weird time, but it's a weird time for everybody. And I understand that. And this is just my opinion. And Mm. it's just my, my lens of how I see things. Um, so we'll not keep it too negative. Um, I suppose Eric, we can beat around the bush all day long. And I come up with stupid questions to ask you stupid (laughs) themes and topics. But do you want to just get into the meat and potatoes of this bloody episode yeah. and start talking about what we thought were the best movies we saw in 2021? Yeah. And 
do you kind of want to introduce it and do you kind of want to like talk about how we came about how we came up with our criteria for what would fit on this list um yeah i mean we we had kind of um discussed the you know is it is it the best things of is it the best things of 2021 you know you know what everybody else is talking about is it the best things that we've seen or that we saw in 2021 um because you you had talked about that if that is the case then there were movies that that we uh saw that were not from 2021 but you would consider to be like some of the best things you've seen so so yeah i mean it was definitely it was definitely difficult to to kind of compile the list i think everything that i put on mine was i stuck within that theme of of it being 2021 just because it, it, it kind of it created kind of a foundation for me it, it kind of it reigned in like like where my brain would go sort of thing so um uh i'll also say that i don't think these are probably the definitive our definitive lists of, of the um of the year because I think I think it'll be a little bit more fluid as we catch those movies that were supposed to be released uh, this year or were released later in the year, um, and we just didn't have time, you know. Uh, you know, like we we discussed multiple times, you know, wanting to see Drive My Car, uh, Red Rocket, Macbeth, um, and probably a handful of other um, movies. Yeah, for but, sure. But it just time just ran out it's it seemed like and we had discussed this too it's it seemed like as as the year was kind of winding down um everything just kind of compounded like like time ran out work was crazy um there was no time to really do anything so so yeah there were there were definitely there were some missed opportunities um i i just really wish that um that some of the movies that we wanted to see had a different kind of viewing offer offering like streaming or the ability to kind of uh, stream from a distribution site. Um, I remember like, uh, like in the pandemic, the bell court would do this thing where uh, you can pay it, you could pay your ticket fee and it just gives you a, uh, like a, a code or or um, a time code where you go to like the distributor's website and then you see it there. Something like that, you know, would, would have been really nice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there's some animated stuff that I might have wanted to see or some foreign movies or documentaries or like there's, there's probably a bazillion things that I wanted to catch, but I mean, we work within uh, time constraints, you know. So, oh yeah, for yeah. Sure. So the I think it, that's why, like, the movies that we see and the and the the different stuff that we kind of get to experience throughout the years is, is very, you know, it's very in, important and and it, and it's um, 
it's good that that we get that opportunity to see what we see because because the time can be so uh con- constraining as as uh as the year goes on so um yeah for sure so i mean all, say, saying all that um i did enjoy everything on my list i i really i really did enjoy in, in one way or another it, nothing is in there as just like a filler thing um just because i needed something to put in uh everything that's on my list i i stand behind um 100% now once once i kind of bloody you, hope so yeah <laughs> once once i kind of catch up with with the stuff that i wanted to possibly add into it i mean that the top 10 could turn into a top 15 or something like that so that's why i want to kind of put a little asterisk on it where it's like this is the list for 2021 with the possibility of opening it up yeah for sure okay so how i was thinking we're going to do it is i'm i'm desperate and super excited to hear your number one pick um so normally what i do is i'd say all right okay eric you uh what did you think of such and such and you'd be the first person that kicks it off i'm going to do it this time because if i start with my number 10 that means the last movie we talk about is your number one okay which is like the climb the climax so i'm i'm more excited about what you have to say than what i have to say yeah so i figured should i'll start it and then that way we'll go so i'll do 10 my 10 you do your 10 and We'll just keep going through. Now, there's going to be crossover on this list. I'm sure. Um, yeah, and Eric and I have never, we haven't shared our list with each other. We actually, Eric and I have been keeping our lists on Letterboxd private, so neither of us could snoop on them, um, which I thought was pretty funny. So um, if there is a bit of crossover, bear with us. We'll try and keep the, you know what I mean? We can, well, if, fuck it, it's our show. We can talk about shit however long we want and whenever we want. We do what we want. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not making adjustments for our imaginary listeners who aren't listening. Screw <laughs> it. Uh, okay, we'll do it. So, number 10. My number 10. Uh, my number 10 at the movies, um, or just not at the movies, but my number 10 favorite movie of 2021 is Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham, directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, now... Let me double check the screenplay by Guy Ritchie and two other people. So it's not a it's not a full Guy Ritchie joint, but he directed it, and it's got Statham in it. And I guess it's a loosely a remake of a, like a two thousand and four French heist movie, mm. kind of, um, of that I'm not familiar with and I haven't seen, so I can't speak for. Um, now, why is it on my list? Um, because we haven't talked about this on the, this movie on the podcast, and a lot of people are probably going to be like Guy Ritchie. What are you talking about? I have a big soft spot for Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. I think you have a bit of a soft spot too for yep. Eric. Um, yep. I know we both kind of were pretty warm on The Gentleman, which we saw, which is a movie before this. And um, I feel like Wrath of Man just kind of dropped out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, it the the trailer came out. Uh, it was right in Wrath of Man, coincidentally, is the first movie that you and I both saw back at the theater. Yeah. So it's going to hold a special place in my heart because of that. Um and I remember at the time we were like, we'll go and see something. And he was like, what about Wrath of Man? And I was like, holy shit, didn't know what that was. Next thing you know, we're at the movie theater and we're watching it. Yeah. Um, so with that all being said, it's a really fun thriller. Um, it's a perfect no. 
Um, it does have a lot of good things going for it. Now, it has what I would consider Guy Ritchie's styling in it, which is good. It doesn't rely too much on his more jumpy editing style, um, but it has some of the trademark Guy Ritchie, like the, the how stylish everything is, how well shot everything is. Um, it doesn't rely on the classic Guy Ritchie, um, like London or like Southern like Cockney banter, like the other, like earlier Guy Ritchie works do, and even the gentleman does. So it's, if it's Guy Ritchie making like what feels like a seventies American thriller, like a cops and robbers movie. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, I think, I think it's, I think Statham's really good in it. Obviously perfectly cast. He is once again, though, playing Jason Statham, but like, you've got to get over that with Statham, I think. And yeah. I love him. He's one of the greatest balds who's ever lived. Um, and he's done more work for the bald community than anybody else. Um, <laughs> uh, I think he's great in it. I think uh, Josh Hartnett, uh, who plays in it, is pretty good in it too. Josh Hartnett, pretty underused, you know, hasn't done a lot of movies. Um, uh, in the past year since I, I don't know why he kind of quit acting, but anyway, he's he started to creep back up in movies here and there. Um, I thought he was well cast in it. Um, Scott Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's son. was great. Who, um, yeah. Great in it. It was great. Yeah. Actually great. And I don't think I've seen him be good in anything. And I think the only other movie I've seen him in is that Fast and the Furious movies, which you only got to do one of them and then he's not in them anymore. And like, but I thought Scott Eastwood was pretty, pretty good in this movie. Um, Granted, I've only seen the movie once at the theater, um, so I'm kind of going off my recollections from the time. Um, another thing, Eric, and I don't know if you remember this, so the soundtrack was very good for the movie, I thought, and the, the instrumental soundtrack was really good for the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I don't know if you remember this, Eric, the movie split into four parts, like four chapters, yeah. and it'll have like a title card before each chapter begins. So it's four chapters, the first one being A Dark Spirit, second one being scorched earth third one being bad animals bad fourth one is liver lungs spleen and heart um and i kind of like the way he used that style to like separate the story into chapters and then obviously they kind of go in a weird time time sequence because eventually everything starts to unfold and i'm not going to give away any spoilers on this in case anybody hasn't seen it but it it deals with the 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 narrative and the plot in a pretty interesting way and um pretty successful i would say pretty like i would say it's like it's it's a good like 70 percent fresh kind of movie i would oh, give yeah. it like a really good like b plus is it is it top tier no but is it is it a good thriller like you don't get a lot of good thrillers like i'd put this if you're gonna watch sit down with your father-in-law or your dad or your granddad if he's still alive and you're gonna watch like a typical like post Thanksgiving meal thriller movie with somebody, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a very like dad's kind of a movie. Yeah. You can't go wrong with wrath of man. It is far better than pretty much every single Liam Neeson movie that's been released <laughs> in the pe past 10 years. Yeah. Um, for the kind of genre that it's playing in and like the kind of like target audience, pretty good movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, if you can get, if you can get past like the first, um, don't know 15 minutes of it there's a there it, it's weird like tonally it shifts you know i really i really enjoyed the beginning um uh, with the with the heist and how it was filmed and and stuff like that it was it really kind of kicked off and then it's it's weird it went into this strange kind of 
I don't know, like a comedy genre in the beginning. Like it was almost silly, and then tonally, yeah. and and at some point, like tonally, it switched on you, and it really turned in kind of into like a dark noir, um, revenge heist thriller. Um, that, in my opinion, didn't need didn't need Statham. I, I think any kind of really good heavy could have played that. Um, but they did need, I think they did need Statham as a selling point for this movie. Um, but, and that's not to say he did like a horrible job or, or it was like worse because of him. I, I can understand why mm-hmm. he was in it. Um, but uh, overall, yeah, I, I really, I did enjoy. Uh, I think it's a movie that a lot of people just, didn't talk about or if i heard a review of it it was like a five minute review and it was kind of a throwaway movie of the year sort of thing and and i don't think it kind of got the the respect that it really deserved yes i agree i agree i think it's pretty underlooked and i think um if you're listening to this and you're just gonna compile a list of movies to see based on eric and i's top 10 definitely put on your list i don't i don't think you'll be disappointed I, I can't guarantee you're going to love it, but I think you'll, you're will you going to enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So over to you, Eric. What's your number 10? Uh, my number 10 is one of the... I will say this. I, I did a last-minute move-around because I looked at mm-hmm. my list and I was like, ah, was, did I enjoy this more over this? Um, where, do, where does this one kind of lay in, in the bigger scheme of the list sort of thing and i and i was like no you know what i'm gonna move this one down because i liked it just enough um i think it had enough going for it 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 deserves to be in there um but i think uh of everything else that's on the list i liked everything else a a step like a step more like each one kind of building on top of the other one so my number 10 for 2021 was licorice pizza Wow. Okay. Um, every I, I and we had we had talked about it for a while, and everything. There was a lot of stuff that I I really did enjoy about it, and I didn't take into consideration like the the experience of seeing the movie, um, the way that we saw it. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the movie's fault. That was like my own fault, you know. And and um, so so I kind of I set that aside. And I really thought about what I enjoyed about it, you know, um, the uh, the kind of hype of having a uh, PTA movie in 2021, um, how anticipated it was when I first uh, kind of heard about it. Super stoked uh, to see it. I saw it, and and um, I wanted just a little bit more from it. I. I wanted a little bit more plot, a little bit less of some storylines, but I mean, overall, overall, it's, it's a movie that I'm definitely going to watch again because I think all his movies deserve to be watched more than once, more than twice, probably, um, because he fills it with so much, so many interesting things. Uh, so yeah, number 10, Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, I don't, have much to say about this other than what I said about it and 
potentially might say about it later on my list. So yeah, <laughs> good pick. Uh, I'm pleased. That, I'm pleased it made your top ten. Oh, oh yeah. I am pleased. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've got a feeling. Got a feeling seeing that again. Yeah, I think it's going to go up in your list a little bit. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. Cool. So moving on. That was pretty uh, easy breezy. So my number ten pick. Um, your number nine. This one was. Sorry, my number nine. Yes, I already <laughs> fucked it up. Um, my number nine pick was pretty much my number. Like, I didn't have to think about this one very much. It it just kind of sat right in, perfect. It was it was ready for my number nine spot. It was just calling to me. So, uh, number nine for twenty twenty one is the Velvet Underground documentary, uh, right. produced and directed by Todd Haynes. Um, obviously covering the life and times of the Velvet Underground. Um, so. What's interesting about this is, I guess, the movie was picked up by Apple TV. Um, and then, so it premiered day and date on Apple, but it also got a limited run screening at certain theatres. Um, I actually went with a friend to watch this movie, uh, The Bell Court, which is our local um, art house uh, slash torture chamber, um, <laughs> to watch the movie. And two things uh, happened, both... Both things did not disappoint. One, the movie was wonderful and I really enjoyed it. And secondly, I was incredibly uncomfortable after about 15 minutes. Uh, so the blessing of this movie is that it didn't go on for too long. I feel yeah. like it was only like an hour and a half. It's actually only an hour and 10 minutes. So or 110 minutes. So it's not too bad. Um, anyway, um, some things that I really like about this movie. Now, it's a rock doc. Um, it's a little unconventional in its formatting and framing. Um the movie does a lot of interesting stuff with, um, now I don't know the technical term, but like picture in picture mm. or like split screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so it does a lot of interesting work with that. Um, and then it does a lot of overlapping split screen where one thing will be finishing and like the next section will be starting, but there's kind of like an overlap between like parts of the narrative of the, of the history of the band, which is pretty cool. Um, now the movie has the best opening of any movie of 2021 and basically the movie starts and i think it's the track venus and furs but um there is a whale of feedback um and they do this really interesting sound mix thing so you you probably won't get it if you watch it at home but if you watch it on like a proper surround sound setup um they they play with the um the spatial uh setup of the sound so the movie starts the screen goes black and then the, the music starts really, really loud and it's like a wall of feedback. And then what they do is they start shooting it from side to side in the room. So it's kind of like you're in in like a wind tunnel and the, and the, the feedback from the guitar is like passing you. It's like very, very cool. And it's actually almost disorientating. It's so good. And immediately when the, the movie starts like that, then it bursts into light. Um part of me was extremely excited because I was like, are they going to play around with the sound throughout this documentary and like really, really use that to their advantage? You know mm. what I mean? Um, and like really do something different with it. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. And I'm guessing that's because they still ultimately have to make this work on a two channel stereo TV. So they couldn't get too carried away with it. I guess that's probably why they didn't, or they didn't do because of the time involved in doing it, mm. or they didn't do just because they didn't have that idea. Um, so, what I was hoping was going to be something truly revolutionary ended up being something that started pretty, pretty revolution, but ended up like it ultimately ends up being a standard rock and roll documentary. Just, just, I think handled better than most of these things usually are. And like with a, it's a little more contemporary, a little bit more cutting edge and a little bit more like engaging. Um, 
Now, the music speaks for itself. Um, really, if you're a fan of the band, it there's kind of no way to not enjoy this documentary. If you're not a fan of the band, I still think this would be very interesting. So if you were like, if you were approaching this and you were like, I don't really know a lot of the Velvet's background. I don't really know a lot of their music or their catalogue. The good thing is, is that Velvet's have a pretty small catalogue. Um, and essentially, um, so they're not really covering too much. And it's all so entertaining and and just the the subject the band themselves the characters Lou Reed John Cale they're all such interesting um people and the setting and the time that period of time in America in New York everything about it is so interesting that um the especially when it converges and like they have like the whole element with uh, Andy Warhol and the factory and all of that element to it it's just it's just entertaining uh, it's like a historical documentary in a way even even as like a documentary based on that time, that period in time, as much as it is about the band, um, it's great. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it. Have you seen it, Eric? I have not. Um, I think it, it's on Apple TV, right? Yep. Yeah. I think, yep. I, think mm-hmm. I had watched, um, I'd watched a few um, docs on there, like um, the Beatles uh, doc. There was a one that was called 1971. Uh, I watched on there, and uh, one about uh, the Stooges. I believe mm. I, I I watched that one mm-hmm. on there as well. Um, but I I that's one that I hadn't gotten to. But it was it was on my radar. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Oh yeah, I th- I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Um, Todd Haynes is interesting. I was just looking up what else he's done. Um, he directed um, Velvet Goldmine, which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. If anybody's ever seen it about like the uh, glam rock period of the 1970s. Um, he also did, I feel like he did something more. Re- oh, that's what he did. He did I'm Not There, the um, the Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, yeah. Um, which basic, yeah, Bob Dylan, which kind of like goes through uh they use different uh character actors to play bob dylan during different time periods mm-hmm. um so he's got a history of doing some interesting stuff and a lot of stuff with music so yeah yeah really good yeah so highly recommended highly recommended at my number nine so over to you boss what do you got uh number nine is one that is kind of near and dear to me because it's it's the movie that kind of reintroduced me back into the theaters and um and I think I'm a lot better for it and we just talked about it and that's Wrath of Man. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Great I mean choice. yeah, it was a it was a fun one. Yeah, we I think we really had a I think we we were super hyped on it more so when we came out and I don't know if that we were just right kind of riding that adrenaline wave of being back in the movies or not but i think we appreciated it a bit more than than most people so it's uh it's one that like i said before i think deserves more eyes on it it's a good movie i mean for a guy richie a guy richie movie uh i think it's uh it's one of his better ones yeah, that's awesome. I'm really happy it made your list. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. I, just, I, I when I said it, it was all automatically. I was like, well, it'll not be on Eric's list now. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good surprise. Cool. 
Um, okay, so if there's nothing more to say on that, I'll move on to mine. Now, this will be my number eight pick for best movie of 2021. So this one, um, I don't know if this is controversial. I don't know. I don't know if this is coming up on other people's lists, but it definitely come up on mine. So my number eight pick is a movie called Bob and Star Go to the Vista Del Mar, um, <laughs> which is a comedy movie. Uh, now, I don't know if this movie got a cinema release. It may or may not have done. I did not watch it at the theater and it's the only movie that's on my list that I did not see in the theater. Uh, and it's, it's the only movie on my list that, is purely a movie that I caught at home on streaming mm-hmm. that came out. And I believe I watched it on Hulu and I believe I just watched it on a whim. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't see any trailers for it. Um, I just put it on. I was like, okay, let's see how goofy and stupid this is. Uh, and I ended up having a wonderful time with it. It's very, very funny. Um, it's directed by a guy called Josh Greenbaum. Um, now I'm not too familiar with him and just looking up, he hasn't really done a lot of stuff. Um, Let's have a look. More like TV and commercials. Um, and then he's done some selected films, film work, but like bits and bobs, like nothing like, nothing I think that either of us would know. Definitely mm. nothing that I know. So, but I kind of feel like that's a little bit, it's less important in terms of the, it's more about the performances. Uh, so it's Kristen Wig, I think is how you pronounce the name, from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, and she actually co-wrote the movie. Um, so, it's her uh, and another lady called Jessica Albaum and then Annie Mumolo, who I don't really know. Uh, so the main characters, uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, I'm not familiar with that second lady. So forgive me if you're listening and you're like, I didn't do any research. I didn't have time. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know who she is. The only other person I know that's in it is Jamie Dornan, who is um, the Irish kid from the... Um, Fifty Shades of Grey movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he plays like a, a hunky character. Uh, so basically, the plot Lucy Lucy goes along the lines of these two best friends who are like these kind of like Midwestern, um, just like average Midwestern middle aged women, um, very sweet women, but like just kind of goofy and, and kooky. And they they basically um, both get, I think they both get fired from the jobs, and then they decide to take a crazy vacation, a once a lifetime vacation, in this tropical place. They go there, and then basically. Um, hijinks ensue like they both fall in love with the same guy this jamie dornan character but what starts is like your typical um kind of like um comedy it it gets very very absurdist and very very surreal very very quick and Mm. it came out of nowhere when i was watching it so there's a lot of stuff in this movie where like hold like what's going on so it has that kind of um a little bit like do you remember that movie anchorman with will ferrell Mm -hmm. um yeah you know how that would have sections where it just kind of goes totally off the rails but like they allow the movie to go off the rails they do that in this movie too so um and i really love it when comedies do that where they allow it to go like full gonzo and like full crazy and then kind of real rein it back in a bit and then let it go crazy again because they don't really do that a lot in comedies comedies i think are pretty formulaic um by the by the nature so i really enjoyed that about it and um it's very very fun it's like a shot of sunshine in your arm if you're feeling down bit of bluesy and you've having a bad day like i highly highly recommend this movie to anybody is it for everybody i don't know based around how successful it was and i feel like i might be the only person talking about it i don't know <laughs> but um it's i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it so it's there based around how much i enjoyed it yeah. how much a su- surprise it was 
and how different it is to everything else that's going to be on our lists. Because I do feel, I don't know if you've noticed this, Eric, but like, I feel like comedies are almost overlooked now. Like they don't really make a lot of comedies anymore. And when they do, they're usually kind of like, um, like stacked big cast comedies. So like you have like that, um, don't look up that's on Netflix right now. Yeah. And you have a lot of, a lot of like high concept, high cast, like very expensive looking comedies. But I just feel like you just, your average zany comedy, but a good one. It, it's almost an overlooked genre. I feel like in the 2000s, it had its peak, early 2000s. And I feel like perhaps like movies like The Hangover kind of killed the genre in a way. And like, there's never really been a lot since like, I would say The Hangover, like Bridesmaids. Um, but very, very good. Highly recommend it. I hope they keep making movies like this. And I think Kristen Wiig is a real talent. I think she's a wonderful comedian. And everything I've seen her in, everything, without exception, she's been excellent in every single thing I've seen her in. So um, that's my number eight pick, Bob and Star. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think I've seen the title, but um, I probably passed it up for whatever reason. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think you should. I think it'd be, it's a, if ever you've, I, you know what I think best time to watch it is if you've exhausted everything and you just like, you can't decide anything to watch. You know, you have those nights where you're like, oh, I don't know, I just don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. It's worth just totally like flipping a coin and trying this movie because it might just cheer you up. Yeah. Yeah. Check that one out. Cool. I think, yeah, like you said, with comedies, I think the funniest thing on my list is probably licorice pizza. So <laughs> that's how you can see where my stuff's going. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right, my number eight is uh, something we saw in the theaters that um, I wasn't really anticipating uh, liking as much as I did. Um, but I am a sucker for a good horror movie. So my number eight is The Night House. Excellent. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one that kind of really took me by surprise. Um, I was... I was into it from from the get go. I was trying to figure out like the the little the puzzles of it, the the uh, like the theme and the tone and, and why stuff was happening. Um, I I kind of I dove into it right away. You know, it had a lot of real, really kind of uh, catchy things going on with it that that kept you really intrigued the entire time. And then by the end, you're just getting some amazing crazy visuals um uh, that are taking place uh great payoff i think um uh during during the end and and with the with the the uh husband and and everything that was going on there and then the reason that everything was happening happening and and i i think the payoff in it was was great i think it's one of the best um horror movies that i've seen in quite some time so uh i definitely if you if you haven't seen it or it just looks like one of those movies that just got released vod and no, and no one's talking about it uh yeah definitely give it a shot the night house yeah i second that i think it's very underrated that movie um nobody's talking about that movie um yeah i i 100 agree with you on that one Okay, so moving on, I guess I'm going to be on my number seven pick. Um, 
for my best of 2021. And this is a last minute change of plans. I've just moved it right now because looking at my list as we're talking, something's not sitting right with me. So I had to address it. Yeah. There's two things and I'll talk about it as we go through my list and I'll tell, I'll, I'll explain why I've moved these things. So my number, number seven is going to be licorice pizza, um, which I, I actually demoted in my list. Uh, and the reason being is just because I kind of feel like I'm, I'm like you on it. I feel like We've already, I mean, we did a whole episode on it. It was just, it was our episode just previous to this. So we've kind of, we've really exhausted what we had to say about it, but I feel like I can't really talk about it anymore and I can't really judge it. And I have to see the movie again. Yeah. I just, I don't feel comfortable giving it a a definitive place or like, or a higher place because I need to see it again, because I think of everything that's else that's on this list. I'm very, I'm more or less pretty comfortable with everything. Mm -hmm. Licorice pizza. Um, it is a great movie. It's undeniably a great movie. Um, I'm just not 100% sold. I just need to, yeah, I need to, I need to really um, give it its, give it its time and really like, really focus on it and, and try and get the best experience I can with it. Yeah. So that, mean, I'm putting that at my number seven. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I can honestly say I'm comfortable with it being on my list. Um, and I think with a lot of his movies, like I said, it, it's a movie that deserves to be seen two or three times. I didn't like the master when it first came out. I didn't, I, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't get it. I just, I, maybe I wasn't in the headspace for it and probably same with the uh, punch drug club. But as I watched them over time, I, they just, they solidified how great he is at creating his art. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that it will definitely move up over time and I'll definitely be able to, to appreciate it more as, as the viewings, uh, go, go by throughout the year. Yeah. It's it's a good movie to be on the list. Yeah. Okay. Over to you, boss. Uh, my number seven is uh, one that I really didn't expect to be on the list, but I think when we watched it, it had such a, I don't want to say profound effect, but it had this amazing effect on me by the end of it that I was really satisfied and happy uh, and the way that it ended and the run that it had. Um, And I think it is the actor is the best version of this character and that is no time to die. Um, nice. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, uh, Daniel Craig did one of the, the best uh, versions of bond that, that I've seen in a long time. And I'm not like a huge bond fan, but it, it seemed like for, for his run, um, they were getting the right talent in place, the right directors, the right cinema cinematographers, the right the people to write the stories, connect the world, um, and then the payoff at the end. I mean, no spoilers, but I think it's one of the the bravest things that they have ever done with that character, and I think it took a lot of guts to do what they did, um, and I think it was it was worth. Uh, the weight that it carried. Um, so, 
if you're if you're going to see uh no time to die take a take a little take take a couple days and and do yourself a favor and watch the lead-ups you know to those movies because uh, each one just has this this kind of great vibe great tone to it it really builds on the character and i think by the end of it 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 is a very kind of special movie in that entire genre of of film so no time to die on number seven yeah, great pick. Um, I I'd also like to add that I think it's also a, it's a very handsomely made movie. Oh yeah, like production quality wise, like it, it's beautiful cinematography in that movie, and um, some yeah, I I I agree. I think it's uh specifically the end and no spoilers, even though we already spoiled it on our episode. Um, really brave. You brave in a way that I feel like they went out of the way to do something that is not going to make everybody happy, but they stuck to it. And I feel like in the end, as much as even I got kind of annoyed by the end of the movie, I think over time it's sitting better with me and I kind of feel like they made the right decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Great movie. Excellent pick. Excellent pick. Um, Okay. So moving on to me, Um, this is going to be my number six pick uh for 2021 and because i've just done some reshuffling i'm trying to do the math in my head and make sure i place this movie correctly i'm gonna put it in here i'm gonna pick um spider-man no way home Mm. as my number six movie of the year um interesting with this though i'm gonna preface preface everything i say about this movie with this one thing spider-man no way home is the the movie that I think worries me the most about everything that was released in 2021. It's the one movie I think that could be potentially the downfall of a lot of these comic book movies. And I'll tell you for why I have, I was obviously Chris and I put that episode out where we talked about it and I, and I was very positive on the movie. Um, one thing really worries me about this movie is that the after effects of the way they've handled this um, and how much money this movie's made, I feel is going to force these studios or allow these studios to be a little more lazy with their IP and just start taking like a ready player one approach with things where this whole introduction of this multiverse and these multiple Peter Parkers allows them to start using multiple characters in a way in, in a way that's lazy. And what I don't want to see that from happening from this is I don't want to see um, oh, here's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine with the new Wolverine, and then the the Wolverine after that, and then here's um, here's Michael Keaton as Batman, and here's you know what I mean, which is already happening because we know that Michael Keaton is playing Batman again in the Flash movie. But like, and I and I get the counter argument that this is a um, this is what they do in comic books. They've mm. had like multiple universes for a while, and this is how they reset things and keep things going. But I also feel like that's also potentially they have that because they kind of became, they kind of like bottlenecked themselves and they kind of didn't know a way to write themselves out of a rut, potentially. Don't want to piss any comic book fans off for saying that. But <laughs> like, it was if we're starting to head into soap opera ta- territory for, t- for movies already, and like, comic books did that after hundreds and hundreds of issues and then they started doing that and we're doing this after what like 18 marvel movies and we're starting to get into this i just think i just don't want this to be the trend going forward i think it was very special and they did a good job of it with this but i hope that this isn't 
isn't a touchstone and we don't look back at this movie and be like, fuck, remember when we didn't have all of this shit in movies? Because I feel like they're going to use this. Potentially Warner Brothers are going to use this because I feel like they don't really have as much care when they handle their properties. Is I don't, It's what I don't want to end up with. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I I see what you're saying. I, it just adds fatigue on fatigue on, on for those uh, types of movies. Of um, I think of all the of all the kind of comic book movies that have come out recently. This one I was most intrigued by. Um, I I did not see it. I have not seen it yet. Only because I wanted to see the ones uh, prior to it. Because um, I don't think I've seen any of the. Uh, was it Tom Holland? Yes, Tom Holland. Yeah, I don't. I don't he's think the, that, he's yeah, the current Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of the standalone Spider-Man movies with him in it. I've seen him in like the you know the uh, Avengers and the, in, in the uh, other Mar- Marvel phases uh, where he's shown up. I've seen him and he's he's done a fine job. Um, I just haven't taken the time to to watch those uh, solo movies yet. So. Uh, the only reason that I hadn't seen it this year was because I wanted to watch the other two before uh, I watched that one. And like I said, it came out later in the year, so time just ran out. So um, I think more than likely I will catch them as they stream later on um, and then just take yeah. like, take like a weekend or something and, and, and knock them all out all at once. I, I think I'll probably be uh, pleasantly surprised uh, by the end because it sounds super interesting, uh, everything that I've heard from it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's 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 a it's a pretty special movie. Is it the best movie there? Not by a long shot. Um, it, but I enjoyed my experience seeing the movie a lot um, at the theater. I thought it was very fun, and um, you know, I, I feel like. I feel a pleasantly manipulated by the movie. <laughs> Whether I'm, I'm strong enough to admit that I feel like I was manipulated to liking the movie more than I probably should have done by the movie, which I'm perfectly comfortable with. Like so, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna set it right down at six. Um, I was close to not putting it on my list at all, but um, I can't deny how much I enjoyed it. So I feel like I'd be betraying myself if I was just trying to 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 withhold it from the list based around like my worries or my like i don't know like my own pretension getting in the way of it yeah Um, yeah so so yeah it i'm comfortable where it's at so number six spider-man no way home nice nice all right so my number six was one that i watched at home um and i had been kind of toying around with watching it for a while uh, I was super interested in the actors that were in it. And then it has this nice little kind of a gimmick or trick to it that, uh, that's really intrigued me. And, um, and the, uh, the storyline seemed really interesting. So um, it's a movie called boiling point um, with uh, Stephen Graham. And it's all shot within like the first few hours of a restaurant being open it's uh it's all one shot so it follows the character the entire time it doesn't break it's not like 1917 where there's some secret breaks in there somewhere the camera is constantly moving constantly following someone it's kind of sets itself up like a play in a way um 
and it's all about the 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 kind of the tension that it takes to run a restaurant and and i've i think i talked to you about this um this movie is basically uh tension and tenseness and and just intensity uh on screen just ramping up the entire time all the way to the end and um and it just it doesn't stop it it doesn't stop and it kind of seems like it it would have a a little lull in it um because you're getting to know all the different uh characters and um personalities of and how there's there's infighting and and how there's all this like weird uh, abuse of of people in there and, and abuse of self and and uh and blackmail and alcoholism and and uh regret and denial and just like everything it just all piled on to this one character and he's and you can tell that he's feeling it the entire time and it just it reaches like it's it's no pun intended it reaches its boiling point and then it kind of um then it then it just stops so uh it's a movie that i was really surprised by and um really enjoyed and and i didn't and i had no regrets in watching it at home because it was made perfectly for that for that uh screen so um yeah number six boiling point yeah i'm super excited to see that movie i i really hope to try and catch it um, cause I know you said you were going to watch it and you sent me the trailer and I watched the trailer and I love Stephen Graham, like oh, so good. love him. So, um, I was really excited. I just didn't get around to watching it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have pretty strong feeling that it would, it would end up on my list if I saw it. So that's going to be one of the first ones I watch after this podcast, uh, to catch up. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that movie. Glad it's on your list. Oh yeah. Okay. So we're at the halfway point, Eric. So, just out of curiosity, I'm not going to tell you what I think your number one movie is because I don't want to spoil it for anybody listening in case I am correct. But I, um, as we're at the halfway point, having a bit of a breather here, I'm pretty sure I know what your number one movie is now. Okay. Having get, got through the first five, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. So we'll see. Um, but um, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, you know you don't win a prize if you figure it out. I know, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, um, I don't know why I'm obsessed with it, but like, yeah, I think I figured it out. It definitely changed. I thought it was something else before we started recording. Yeah. And now I've recorded. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. I know what it is. I know what it is. Hello, Eric. Hello, Scott. And hello to all my fellow Movies Last Night listeners. It's me, Zach, your lovable Southern moviegoing reviewer, here with my top 10 of 2021. So I listed these, I guess you could say least favorite to favorite. Still my top favorite of 2021. So here we go. Number 10 is Stillwater, starring Matt Damon. Thought it was a great dad who travels overseas to try to prove his daughter's innocence in a murder she's been accused of. 
just he's great. You wouldn't expect him to kind of pull off the southern Oklahoma kind of twang that he has in it, but it is really, really good. Had some action. He gets his ass kicked a couple times, but, you know, he pulls through. Number nine is Willie's Wonderland starring Nick Cage. This was kind of my fun pick because I really like the Five Nights at Freddy's video games. And Nick Cage is hilarious in his own way in this movie. Uh, There's a lot of good fight scenes between him and some animatronic characters. Just a fun flick. It's not high budgeted, pretty low budgeted. But if you're at the red box and you're looking for something different, give this one a shot. Number eight is The Many Saints of Newark, starring James Gandolfini's son Michael as a young Tony Soprano. This was an exceptional prequel to The Sopranos, which I have seen front to back many times over the years. Just it gives you a lot of knowledge and little Easter eggs of characters that are older in the soprano show so you kind of get what happened to them that made them the way they are and why they chose decisions in the latter part of the soprano series number seven is going to be dune starring oscar isaac zendaya timothy chalamet and others just a solid all-around sci-fi drama great special effects the sound was great acting was really good uh pretty cool action Waiting for the sequel, so definitely check this one out. Number six is a movie I'm not sure a lot of people have seen yet. It's The Eyes of Tammy Faye, starring Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. They play, respectively, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker, the husband and wife televangelist team. Being a former organized religion member, I enjoy kind of the behind the scenes rise and fall then redemption of Tammy Faye Baker. Jessica Chastain killed it with all the prosthetics and makeup. Uh, She looked just dead on. Uh, Just a wonderful movie. Number five is probably my favorite drama. It was The Little Thing, starring Rami Malek, Jared Leto, and Denzel Washington. Huge fan of Jared Leto, minus the Joker character. And this was just a good serial, serial detective uh, killer film uh, watch this one for sure Denzel is actually really really good I was surprised number four is Nobody starring Bob Odenkirk great action dark humor had kind of a John Wick vibe uh, if you didn't like the John Wick movies I would give this one a try definitely got similar stuff storylines not the same but kind of just a fun flick a lot of good violence to it So we're at the top three, folks, of my 2021 picks. Number three is Nightmare Alley, starring with a great ensemble cast. Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Willem Dafoe, Kate Blanchett, etc. Love the time and era it took place in. Great story. Kind of a two-part movie. You got a first half set in a carnival atmosphere, and then the second half is more of the modern city era uh of that time love the carnival tricks that they show bradley cooper you get the kind of behind the scenes of carnival life so must see number two is last night in soho starring thomas and mckenzie and anna taylor joy this had a cool look of the dark side of the swinging 60s combined with a supernatural head thriller of the modern day 
So delicious, worth a watch. Should have saw it in theaters. Uh, number one is Pig, starring Nick Cage. Uh, and this was a serious pick. Uh, he was so good in this movie. Uh, kind of shows that he still has tons of great acting left in him. Just given the right role, director, you know, something he can actually really sink his teeth into. Uh, it's a pretty simple story, but yet he makes it, his character just really believable. You feel for him. You empathize, you sympathize for him. So that is definitely my number one pick for 2021. And that's it. Hey, it's Chris Henson here. And these are my top films that I saw in 2021. Spider-Man No Way Home. Dune. Shang-Chi. Lamb. Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Pig. Candyman. Quiet Place 2. And Bo Burnham's Netflix special, Inside. Thanks for sticking around, everybody, so far. Um, and I hope you're enjoying our lists. Um, I suppose let's just get into the second half of it and just, just, just knock this puppy out. Yeah. Okay, number five for me. This one is... <sighs> Let me think. Okay. Okay, yes. Number five for me of 2021. This is another last minute change. I keep moving these, um, <laughs> which it, we're prone to do. Um, yes, I'm confident with this one. Number five is the movie Titan. Nice. Um, from 2021, which we did an episode on. Uh, please obviously go back and listen to our episodes if you, if you want to go in further in depth with what Eric and I think about these movies. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about Titan that hasn't already been said already. Um, it was quite the experience at the movie theater. Um, my anticipation was really high going into the movie. Um, the the overall experience of watching the movie was unlike an experience I've had watching other movies. Yeah. Um, the whole time I was basically, I felt like I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um but also kind of squirming and discomfort the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. So it keeps you on a really weird, like puts you on like a really weird precipice where you're like, I, and I think that's the point of it. I think it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's supposed to keep you kind of like, um, like flabbergasted at what's going on. Um, I think the movie is um, stellar from start to finish. Um, it ends almost perfectly. Um, which is oh, yeah. crazy considering how the movie ends and where it ends, but I feel like it's the perfect ending for the movie. Um, now it's the only not to give yeah, any spoilers. It's the only yeah. ending that it could have been. <laughs> exactly, and and if you listened to this and you know what the ending is, it's kind of wild that to describe what happens at the end of the movie as being the ultimate ending for the movie, like the perfect ending. But it is. It is. Um, I feel like the main performance. Um, I'm going to look up the lady's names now. So her name is Agatha, Agatha Roussel or Agatha Roussel. I don't know how you pronounce that. It's French. Um, I think she's wonderful in the movie. Yep. I think the real star of the movie is that guy, Vincent Linden, mm -hmm. um, who plays her kind of surrogate father, the, uh, the fire chief. Um, I think he's kind of incredible in that movie. Yeah. Like quietly incredible. Um, and I'm not familiar with him. I haven't seen him in other things, but he's just a killer actor he's such a good performance um 
but like the movie's just shot wonderfully. It's it 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 it's got so much energy, so much vibe, so much like everything about it going on. And I know already me talking about this movie right now, I'm instantly regretting putting it five. <laughs> no. But it, it's no. at five. Yeah. It is a, a really, really great piece of art, uh directed by uh Julia Ducorneau, uh written by the same lady. Um it's going to be unlike anything else you'll see. It's probably going to be like, unlike anything else you'll see in the next five years. Um, give it a, please, please watch the movie. Um, I feel like uh, of the movies I've talked about so far, this is the first one that is clutch. Like you have to watch Titan if you haven't seen Titan. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's a great callback to like just crazy cinema, like Lynchian cinema, Cronenberg cinema, just, it takes, it pulls no punches and it does some of the most gruesome and beautiful and amazing things that you really haven't seen in a while. Um, and yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really special movie and you're not going to see anything like it for another 10 or 20 years, I think. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, definitely, yeah. You know what's funny is um, I started watching... Uh, this is a sidebar, but it's still related. I started watching that um, Gaspar No movie, um, Climax, mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah. Um, have you seen Climax? I have not, no. No, okay. So I haven't seen it either. So I started watching it. Um, and straight away, I was like, oh, so this is just a French thing. This is like... like this he has that he has a similar kind of energy and a similar kind of like i feel like he's a bit more of a troublemaker than she is um in terms of like i feel i feel like gaspar knows deliberately overtly provocative where yeah. it feels like a little gross sometimes whereas i think she's far, i think she's more subtle and more like crafted at what she does but climax kind of has that same thing where like the whole time it's on you like on edge doesn't matter what's happening every single interaction puts you on edge and you can't really put your finger on it because you know that something crazy is going to happen you just don't know when it's going to happen um so that's an interesting movie i I feel like if you have a really strong stomach that would be a good double feature now climax is nowhere near as good of a movie as titan is um i think gaspar knows best works probably behind him i think he's a little overrated too um but it's, it would be an interesting it's it's one of the few films i can i can mention that is kind of going in the same ballpark as where titan is in terms of like its vibe um but titan's a far better movie and like eric said yeah there's there's no comparison so number five titan all right uh so my number five was a, another one that it was an early on pick um that we had done um and a it was an early on pick in a later episode um and it was the first time that we kind of experimented with uh you pick one i'll pick one or let's watch something at home and talk about it uh and that is soderbergh's no sudden move great choice um yeah i think is one of the one of the best uh noir movies that was put out um in 2021 great cast uh great story and almost an unconventional type of story where it's not like it's these two thieves trying to pull off this this amazing uh, like 
bank heist or like jewelry heist or something like that. It's about the the what was it like the combustible some uh, sort of car part for a combustible engine or something yeah, like the that. You catalytic know? converter. <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. Yeah. The catalytic converter. Yeah, that that was it. Um, so, so I mean, such kind of a strange concept, but the 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 um, everything just seemed like very kind of dire as it was happening, and and uh, Don Cheadle and Del Toro just play off each other uh, in such an amazing way. And Del Toro was, you know, at the top of his game in this, and uh, Cheadle was very reminiscent of a character that that I enjoyed. Uh, earlier on is in his career um, from a movie called uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. He played a character called Mouse, and it, it kind of it felt like a a resurgence of that role or that type of character, like an older, wiser con. Um, and uh, and once again, I mean, I I don't think I heard a lot of people talk about it too much, but it was earlier on in the year. Um, so if you're interested in a really good uh, noir movie, uh, it's No Sudden Moves. And I mean, you can't really go wrong with uh, Soderbergh. I mean, he just does so many interesting things. So, um, yeah, that's my number five, No Sudden Moves. That's a great pick. Yeah, you're right, though. You can't go wrong with Soderbergh. Like, yeah, he's, he's so varied and he's so, he's so good at what he does that even when he's, like, off doing so, like thematically like or in it like something that's in a total different neck of the woods to something like no sudden move whether it's like magic mike or whatever you know um yeah <laughs> it's just he's just great i think he's one of the best filmmakers alive uh overall yeah. and i think he has such a good band average and I, and I think he's he's just a really brave filmmaker who, who just like kind of just does cool shit um yeah I think yeah he just great... he does he does i think what interests him and and what sounds interesting and fun to him um so that's what i it's not like he's doing the same movie over and over again it's very i i really enjoy the choices that he makes yeah eric have you seen that movie he did where, where he shot it on an iphone um it's the horror movie um oh bloody hell i forgot what it's called now um i should really i can't really bring this up and not say what the movie's called um yeah but um <laughs> It came out a lot. Is while it called back. Unsane? Unsane. Unsane. Thank God. Yes, Unsane. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it's really no, I good. Have, I have not seen that, but I do. I do want to. I think there's a couple of of his movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, um, but you know they're always on my list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, everybody check out Unsane too if you haven't seen it. But yeah, No Sudden Move, awesome movie, and still to this day, I keep calling it No Sudden Moves because it just feels weird yeah. that it's No Sudden Move. You know, but yeah. it's kind of perfect that it's that. Um, and I think I keep getting it mixed up with what's that movie? All the right moves, or like some of the oh, movie with, you know. with Tom Cruise. Yeah, with Tom Cruise. Uh, obviously not the same uh, style of movie, but yeah, um, yeah, really good. And when I posted that episode, that was yeah, you're right. It was one of our early episodes that we recorded. And I posted it when I was on vacation. When I posted it, before I posted, it, I actually listened through it to make sure everything was okay on it, and um when I was listening through it, I was like, Oh God. Yeah. I forgot how cool this movie was. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Really, really good. And a really good kind of, uh, uh, cameo from, uh, Brendan Fraser. So, Oh yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Love Brendan Fraser. A, a very big, very sweaty, 
very out of shape, Brendan <laughs> Fraser, which is uh, always fun to see. Another interesting thing about yeah. that movie, Eric, too, and I think it might be the first one on our list so far, it's it was one of the first Warner Brothers um, release movies that came out day and date streaming. Um, yeah. And it came yeah. out early on, yeah. so it was when they were still trying to figure it out. So, like, that was one of the first times that it came. And, like, I remember it was also for us when we were talking about what to see at the time, we were like, oh, well, we don't even have to go to the theater to see this. We can just see it at home. So like, that was interesting yeah. too, you know, to, to see like a major release movie just drop like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I think it's really going to change the game from, from this point forward that I think they're always going to kind of find a, a space to do this um, when they don't know what to do with maybe, smaller independent movies um, mm-hmm. or what would be considered a smaller. Independent. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, speaking of movies that drop day and day on Warner brothers, this is my number four pick for 2021. This one of all the movies that's on the list, this is the one I probably have the biggest difficulty placing or also the, the movie that I have the most difficulty with in my head. Like I'm at war with this movie and I think I'm going to continue to be so for quite some time. Um, and also a movie, yeah, that dropped day and day on Warner Brothers. Um, and so my number four movie for 2021 is The Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> a movie that we've yet to do a podcast on um, that Eric and I have only briefly talked about. Um, Eric and I saw it opening day with Zach, uh, the Southern Gentleman. We saw it all together. And I think <laughs> all of us going into the movie with kind of reasonable expectations. I don't think we were all like yeah. thinking it was going to be the greatest thing ever made, but I think we all were kind of swinging slightly positive on it. Like, you know, um, and then a movie, I think that like when it dropped basically self a shockwave throughout everything and basically divided the nation uh, or divided everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the division that happened, it's not a 50, 50 split. I feel like the division is like 95% of people fucking hate this movie <laughs> and 5% of people like worship this movie. Now I'm yeah. not going to lie. I was kind of right in between those two camps. When we first came out of the movie theater, I was pretty positive on it. Honestly, there was some, some things that I didn't like about it. Um, so I was, I was pretty, I was pretty positive on it. I didn't speak to you about it, Eric. And then eventually days went by. We were getting caught up in doing other movies. We, we didn't get time to do this. Like Zach, I even have a review from Zach that I haven't posted yet because I don't know if when we're, we're ever going to do a Matrix Matrix episode um, or if we ever will do. Um, but when I actually got Zach's review in, I was like, oh, okay. Zach was a lot harsher on the movie than I thought he was going to be. And then when I spoke to you about it, Eric, it was almost like you just got it off your chest. It was like you had like this confession to make and you were like, I fucking hated that movie. Um, and what's really funny, and this is why the movie's here, and this is why I'm really struggling with this movie. So when I heard what, heard what Zach had to say about it, and when I, it was really when I heard what you had to say about it, I found myself in a situation where I agreed with everything that you said. Like, and I still yeah. to this day agree with everything that you say about like all of your criticisms, I think are 100% valid. Now, what happened was I went to see the movie again with a friend of ours, Jason, who's been on the show before. Uh, you'll remember Jason from our June episode. Jason couldn't make the initial showing with us. He was scheduled to do it, but he couldn't make it. So I, I, 
I said, I'll still go and see it with you, but so I went to see it with him. Now, something weird happened. The second time I saw it in the theater, granted, I already watched it again at home through the lens of me and you speaking, and I started to come very negative on the movie. Third time I saw it in the theater, what happened was like a light bulb went off in my head, and I was like, holy shit, I actually am really enjoying this. I did actually enjoy this the first time I saw it, and now I'm actually enjoying it more. Subsequently, I've seen the movie seven times now. <laughs> and so um, crazy. I think the movie is wonderful. I think the movie is absolutely wonderful. I think they do some very, very interesting things. And now I don't think the movie's great because the movie's meta and clever and like full of itself. I don't believe that the movie's full of itself at all. I think the movie is very meta and it is very clever, but I don't think that's why the movie's great. I think that I enjoy that, but that's just like saying I enjoy a Black Mirror episode or I enjoy like even Spider-Man Far From Home, which this movie does have parallels with. Um, mm -hmm. What I think I really like about the movie is I, do you know why I like the original Matrix movies? And I like the sequels as much as the original. So I'm definitely in that camp. I'm oh, not, yeah. I'm not yeah. a first one purist, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, every other Matrix sucks. I don't believe that. I think Reloaded is excellent. And I, and I think, um, I think it's Revelation. What's the third one? Anyway, there's so many stupid names for them. Yeah, Revelations. Revelations. Yeah. I think Revelations is really good too. Um, the reason I like The Matrix is I like The Matrix because for some reason, I don't read comic books. I don't, I'm not a geek. I don't watch Dragon Ball and all that shit. I don't watch Star Trek. I'm, I'm not into like anything that's super law heavy that requires like constant learning of the law. But for some reason, I love the law of The Matrix. I love it. I love the Animatrix. I love... Well, actually, the Animatrix is excellent. I, I like that. I like yeah. I like everything. I like how how wide the wide the story gets and how deep and how rich the law gets and how ridiculous and bloated it is. But for some strange reason, this clicks with me. I can do that with the Matrix. So the Matrix uh, Resurrections to me is an expansion on the law, and I think it's a really good one. It re does really interesting things. I love the new characters. I'm kind of semi obsessed with the new Morpheus character, um, who I think's fascinating um especially when you realize that it's not morpheus it's it, it's a program that neil created which is a blend of morpheus and agent smith and then he purposely created him to wake him up so basically he programmed him because he knew something was anyway we're getting into it i'm not going to get too into it i'm not going to get in the weeds of the movie because <laughs> i could talk for like 25 hours on this movie um this is the movie i well, str we'll, struggled with the most yeah on the list. we'll we'll uh We'll have to do that episode. We have to do that episode because I think it's going to be very interesting because I want I want to hear everything that you say about it because I agree with you on everything. And every time somebody's complained about this bloody movie to me, I have to look at them and be like, yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. I get everything that you don't like about the movie. I just want to tell people why I love the movie and I'm desperate to tell people why I do. Um, I have to get off my fucking chest. It's killing me. Um <laughs> Yeah, this movie for me could honestly be my favorite movie of the year, or it could not be. I just don't know. I can't. I can't deal with it because it's too much, and I'm I'm too I was, invested yeah. in it right now. So I'm putting it at a safe actually, middle spot. <laughs> I was actually surprised. I thought it would be your number. <clears throat> well, it was my number one until I came to my senses, and I was like, <laughs> I, I'm I'm in it too much. I'm like, it's like one of those relationships where you start seeing somebody, and all your friends are like, whoa. You know, you probably you you're in too deep. Like, 
step back. You know what <laughs> I mean? Tox- <laughs> it's toxic. Yeah, it's. I have a toxic relationship with this movie. I'm like obsessed with this movie in a way that I know is not healthy or natural. And like, yeah, everybody else yeah. is like, you need to chill, Scott. Just chill out. Hang out with your mates. Have a night <laughs> off from it. You know what I mean? Be yourself. Yeah. So number five, Matrix uh, Resurrections. Sorry, is it? No, yeah. it's number four, Matrix Resurrections. Sorry, my bad. Uh, so my, yeah, we're going to have to do that episode definitely because I want to hear Zach's review. Um, but, uh, so my number four is something that I kind of put off for a while. And it is also one of those movies that, um, that no one saw that no one saw, but everybody that saw it loved it. And that is the last duel. Yeah. Um and I agree. I agree. It is probably one of the it's one of the top movies of uh, uh 2021 and no one saw it. It was considered a failure and it does something really interesting with its uh plot device and that is it tells it tells the story from three different points of view. And so you kind of get the same movie three different times, um, but you're 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 seeing the personalities of of those characters as their version of what the truth is and what really happened uh, play out. And I think a lot of people went into it thinking, "Oh, it's just a movie that has this great fight scene." Um, and then that's what everybody's anticipating and building up to. And you, you get that, but you have to wait for it uh, till the end. They start off, they start off in a certain way that is, that's satisfying. And there is a lot, there is a lot of combat and fighting in it throughout the movie because uh, Matt, Matt Damon's character is a, um, is a squire who becomes a knight and he goes on a lot of campaigns and you get to see some of that stuff. Um, but then that, that fight at the end, um, really kind of showcases, uh, everyone's skills. And I mean, Ridley Scott, just, just, a an amazing, amazing storyteller, amazing artist in his own right. Um, just knows how to make these, knows how to make these types of movies. Um, and I think don't know why uh no one went to see it i mean it it does have a long run time i want to say it's like two and a half hours maybe a little bit longer but it it didn't feel long to me it it felt like the perfect pace and the, and the 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 right amount of time to tell the story and it needed that time to tell those stories because um it is so interesting and and i don't think that you saw it um but um I, it's a movie that i that i kind of want to do a podcast on myself uh just because of the mechanic that they use to tell the story um so a movie that uh, a lot of people considered a failure to me i think was a success uh number 4 is the last duel yeah, I'm pleased that you I'm pleased that you brought that movie up. And um, 
I like you said, I didn't see the movie. Um, I in, you and I never caught it in the theaters. Um, mm. I was going to say, um, hearing you talk about it, I I do want to do an episode on that, and I feel like I I need to watch that movie. But I I feel like for all its topics and themes, and and I feel like anything that's that overlooked is got to be interesting. And um, I'm sure that like I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna I I I just know I'm gonna want to talk to you about it. So I definitely think we should do an episode on that, Eric. And I want to hear I want to hear you really like, break it down. So if you're up oh, for yeah. it, like yeah, let's do an episode on that. And January is gonna be a slow month anyway. There's not a lot of oh, stuff yeah. coming out. Um, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to do that because I hear that. Um, I forget her name. Is it Jodie jo- uh, Jodie Comer, the uh, English actress? I hear she's really good in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody in it is is amazing. Even kind of this weird, there's this uh, weird Ben Affleck character, you know. And the and these are all real people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that he plays him is it's so interesting. So uh, yeah, I mean, just a great movie, just a, a really great. Movie. Cool. Yeah, I look forward to we'll, we'll we'll do an episode on that. No doubt, no doubt. Um, okay, so moving on, um, number three. I'm going to get to number three. And my number three is going to stay the same. I'm not going to shuffle these. It's pretty much set right now. So my number three movie for 2021 is Edgar Wright's uh, Last Night in Soho. Mm-hmm. Um, a movie that I know, I think everybody was kind of positive on when it came out. I feel like over time, a lot of people are kind of swinging back and I'm starting to see a little bit more negativity towards the movie. Um, a little bit more than was there when it initially came up, which I feel is kind of similar to the way people reacted to baby driver. I feel like baby driver was a little hot mm. when it came out, and then it cooled. And I think like people are cooling on last night in Soho. Um, I get it. I understand it. Um, I don't think it's right. Edgar Wright's best movie. I think, but as somebody who's such a fan of Edgar Wright, like I, yeah. I love it. I just love, I love the movie. I super enjoyed like our time at the theater with Zach's watching it. Um, it was a, a very memorable screening for me. I actually caught the movie again in the theater by myself because I enjoyed it so much and I enjoyed it just as oh, much nice. second time around. Um, <clears throat> I got to really like enjoy the performances a little bit more second time around. Um, I think um, the movie has some excellent cinematography, excellent use of soundtrack, uh, which is typical of right. Excellent editing, some really cool set pieces involving mirrors, which is very clever. Um, the way the movie's shot. I love the time period, the setting, um, specifically in the flashback scenes, the swinging sixties in London, I think such an interesting time period. Um, I think um, then in the way Edgar Wright manages to introduce like the flashing between the two, the mechanic that he uses to go between the present and the past, I think is very, very interesting. Um, so from top to bottom, I just enjoyed every moment of it. Like it, it's like it's it's it is admittedly a comfort food movie for me, which I feel like all of Edgar Wright's movies are. I feel like they automatically mm-hmm. go into that like, like really great like rewatch. Like I find them all very very rewatchable and all very comforting in one way or another. Um, and I've seen all of his movies so many times, and I just know I'm going to keep watching Last Night in Soho. It's one of the few movies that was released in 2021 that I know I'm going to buy and own. I'm just waiting on whether or not I'm going to buy it digitally or physically, but I'll probably end up get buying it digitally when it goes on a sale. Um, because I do really want to see this in uh on my TV at home with the HDR. I think it's going to be pretty impressive on this movie. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I think um the performances are really good. Um specifically um the main actress Thomas and McKenzie who I'm not super familiar with. Now, 
as it turns out, she's been in a lot of different things. She's actually in Power of the Dog briefly, um, which is kind of a blink and you'll mm-hmm. miss it kind of performance. But now I'm starting to see it pop up everywhere. And I thought she was really great in the movie. And at first I thought I wasn't sure if I liked her performance when we first watched it. Upon second viewing, I kind of fell in love with the performance. I think it's really, really good. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy is excellent in the movie. Um, and I kind of feel like she's really in a stride right now. It's like It's almost like everything she's touching is turning to gold. And she's doing a lot of really good stuff. Um, and I look forward to seeing her you know, in future in future stuff, she's in the the Norseman that's coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. She looks she's yeah. going to be great in that. That movie obviously is definitely going to be a movie we talk about in twenty twenty two. So yeah, great casting. I think very, um, very, very well cast and very like in very um, on trend and on point casting. I feel like he's really caught these two actresses as they're on their ascendancy to like becoming like you know like really well known. And I feel like. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, so last night in Soho, um, seek it out, everybody. I think you'll you'll have a good time. It's not gonna. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not for everyone, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I after watching it, I was um, I was really I I enjoyed it, uh, but I kind of went down this rabbit hole of Edgar Wright stuff as far as his influences and. And I was kind of more interested in watching the movies that influenced this movie um, because uh, I, I enjoyed like the themes of it and what he was he was trying to to put out there and that kind of that 1960s vibe. And and um, we had gone back and forth on a couple lists that that he had created about, um, uh, you know, the the 25 movies that he uh, said had influenced the making of this one. And they all sounded super interesting. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I really kind of like about his movies is, um, is his knowledge, his, his amazing knowledge in, in film alone. And, um, and just his, his influences and, and how you, and how he, he puts his own spin on it. So uh, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, all right, uh, number three for me was one of the most uh, crazy and intense movies that I had seen in 2021, and we had already already talked about it. and And I'll say this: like my top three, um, out of everything, these top three have stayed in these positions. Um, the entire time I settled on it, all three of these are kind of interchangeable and they could have moved up and down the scale as far as from one to three. But I settled on this and I'm, I'm really happy with with the position of it. Um, my number three is Titan. Uh, one of the craziest movies that I have seen in quite some time that that I had a physical reaction to while I was watching it, like cringing. Uh, just like out loud, like like t- almost talking to the screen as stuff's going on. Like I can't believe what what they're showing me, and and uh, the themes, the the story, the the twist in the middle, the the change, the transformation, the the ending, just 
everything about it was just some uh, fever dream that you you really can't explain and imagine that it is actually happening. So um, it could have gone higher on my list, but I I settled on what I settled on, and I, I'm pretty confident in it. So number three, Titan. God, I'm super. I'm super glad it's on your list. I'm glad it's so high on your list too, actually. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's it's a fucking masterpiece. It's a great, great, great movie. It really, it really is. Yeah, nice one. Okay, so we're almost at it. We're, we're getting real close. So, yep. And the the movie that takes home the silver medal for 2021 for me, the movie that came <laughs> at second. Um, and I'm very confident as this being my second favorite movie of the year. And I feel like it is definitely not interchangeable with my first movie. I, I don't think it's as good as the movie I have as my number one spot, but um, 2021 on my best of list. Number two is going to be Candyman, um, which wow. I have to say five times now, as I introduced <laughs> it to invoke the legendary Candyman. Um, okay. So, Let's talk about Candyman. I rewatched it again recently. Candyman is the only movie on my list, other than my obsessive rewatching of The Matrix, it's the only movie on my list that I actually went back and watched prior to finishing the list because I was like, I have to rewatch this one specifically because it was really key on me rewatching it to where it, where it fell. Because for a moment, for a moment there, it was like it could have went like further down my list. You know what I mean? So. Candyman is um, a remake, but well, it's not really a remake. It's a sequel to the original Candyman movie. I think it bypasses the sequels uh, to the original um, Tony Todd movies, um, which is fine because I'm super vague on the sequels anyway. The first movie, though, the original Candyman movie, is indelibly burned into my irises from uh, growing up watching it when <laughs> I was younger. I think it's one of the most underrated horror movies ever made. I think it's one of the best horror movies of its time. Um, and I feel like yeah. what's really, really great about this is I feel like this movie does sequel almost perfectly in my, in, in my mind, if you're going to take a, a 20, 25 year old property and then bring it back and give it a fresh coat of paint, I think the way they handle this, um, from top to bottom, I thought was excellent. Um, the movie starts with, um, uh, basically, um, a, a rundown in the, of the previous movie's events and the way they, the way they kind of like carry the story on and they touch on the first movie and the way it's intercut into this movie is very, very well done. And it's handled very seamlessly and smoothly so much so that the introductions of the new characters in the new setup, obviously, because the movie takes place in present day is um, it's handled really, really effectively. Now, my number one reason for liking this movie the most uh, of the reason why the real reason it's at number two, if I'm being honest, is I think the movie is staggeringly beautifully shot. I think without mm -hmm. question, it's the best shot movie of the entire year. It's one of the best shot movies I've ever seen um, from a visual perspective. Now you might be, you might've seen this movie and you'd be like, you might be like, Scott, wasn't that great? Like it, it didn't like, wasn't like it's, it's in the details. So there's so much work in the details of the framing of the shots of this movie that when I rewatched it and I watched it on my OLED TV with like the super sharp 4K resolution and, and all the bells and whistles. And it is fucking beautiful, this movie. Um, the opening credit sequence is 
staggering. Um, it's super well shot and it puts you in such a mood and a vibe for the movie. Um, and then it, as it goes on, there's, there's, there's specific scenes. There's, I would say like three scenes in this movie. There's, um, a scene at the art gallery and I'm not going to get into spoilers, but Eric, just so you know what I'm talking about. Um, the scene mm-hmm. in the art gallery where the main character is showing his, uh, initial, um, uh, art, art installation based around the myth of the urban legend of Candyman. Um, after it's over, there's a murder that takes place between um, some of his colleagues. So it's like the guy who co-runs the gallery and like his girlfriend. Um, there is a shot in that where they, they use the mirrors and they use like um, the projections that are playing in the theater in, in such an inventive and interesting way. Like it's just, it's just, it's so impeccably done. Um, there's also a scene involving um an art critic who our main character goes to confront an art critic and he goes to talk to her at her apartment and when she takes a bathroom break he encourages her to say Candyman in the mirror five times so she goes to the bathroom and she's stupid enough to actually do it but as she's doing it he (laughs) is actually in her hallway of an apartment building and there's a mirror in the hallway and he comes face to face with the vision of Candyman who is mimicking his actions as he moves and it's just so good it's so good yeah um and then yeah. later on in the movie, there's another scene involving mirrors. I'm not going to get too in the weeds with it. But anyway, it is, upon rewatch, easily, like, it, it's a, it's operating on a different level. And all of a lot of the movies we've talked about, uh, and a lot of movies that came out this year, like Power of the Dog, has very, very good cinematography. Um, th- there's not a movie, I think, that comes close to touching this movie. The, uh, and, like, for me, I really get off on that. So that's why I'm placing this movie so high. Um, I just think uh, th- the way they've managed to incorporate uh, politics and the our environment and our social uh, climate, uh, which feels very current and very fresh. The movie feels very current. It feels very fresh. It feels very on point. It, all of its themes about um, gentrification and um, uh the the struggle uh the black struggle in america like uh race relations in america um the way the movie talks about art which i think is really fascinating i love how the main character is an artist um i love how we're, we're talking about him struggling to tell his story and the story of Candyman through his art but we're also watching a piece of art that's talking about it like the whole thing breaks down super super interesting i think they they, they, they picked a really really good way to tell the story and i think they really really nailed it and I think Nia DaCosta is a real talent. I'm super excited to see what she does in the future. I'm super good at she's doing a Marvel movie because I really wanted to do something oh, yeah. else. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Number two, Candyman. Number two with a bullet, honestly. Um, fantastic movie. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really, yeah, I, I did enjoy that one as well. Um I, yeah, I think it's something that I, I definitely want to watch again and just to to kind of see it through your lenses and, and, and talk to you about it a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm also I want I want I think I said it in the original uh, uh, podcast was I want that movie. I want the story uh, of before, you know, how it led up to this situation. Yeah, for sure. I, that that sounds like a really interesting movie to me. So my number two um, is one of the was one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and 
the only I, I would say the only reason that it is that it is at number two and it could swap out with number one is because it's not complete and that is uh dune yep um i think one of the most uh uh beautiful movies of the year when you're working with limited palette um cast is incredible i mean it's, it's one of those movies that i really recognize the the score and the soundtrack and and it's one of those movies that sound really made a difference and the the look of it just just was so gigantic and and i wanted if i would say if it was a completed work that it would easily be number one um and and that is the only thing that's kind of holding it back because i was just I was just on the edge of my seat, just wanting it to be um, finished, you know, wanting it to be completed. And it's, it's just one of those movies that I had so much anxiety about because we just didn't know if it was going to get that because of kind of the controversy with, uh, with it showing on uh, day and day and date on uh, HBO. Um, But a staggering movie, just, it, it, it really took, uh, that material to the next level. Uh, Dalen, uh, Denise Villeneuve just knocked it out of the park, did an, an incredible job. Um, and it's a movie that I've, I've watched multiple times because I wanted to get that experience um, a few different times be, uh, while I had the opportunity. So uh, it's, it's one of the only movies on my list that I've watched multiple times. Um, so yeah, number two, Doom. Awesome. How excited are you for the sequel? <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be a few years, I think, but it, I I think I'll I'll watch I'll probably watch part one the day of if I can and go right into uh watching part two because I think it's it's like nothing that I that I've seen before ever. It, it was just, it blew me away. It really blew me away. That's awesome. I love that. You love that so much. And I really hope, like, I hope we're still doing this when that, when June 2 comes out and I hope we're still, you know what I mean? Like have the capability to go oh, and yeah. see the show together and, and you know, um, yeah, I, I'm super excited for the sequel. Can't wait to see what he does with it next. Okay. So drum roll. I might insert, like, get like a clip of a drum roll and put it in. <laughs> like build up my excitement for my number one. Um, it might be, I don't know if this is anticlimactic for people. Okay. Without further ado, number one, my favorite movie of 2021 um, is a movie Eric's already talked about on his list. It's the movie, the night house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I just think so there's a few reasons why I think it's my favorite movie of the year i will say i do think very i feel very strongly on this and i think it's going to be completely overlooked when it comes to the oscars and i'm almost certain it's going to be overlooked when it comes to the oscars i think rebecca hall's performance in this movie is the single best performance of the year um i think she is wonderful in this movie i I, and I don't mean favorite female performance because I think that's arbitrary and it doesn't make a difference whether it's male or female. It should just be the best performance of the year. Um, for me, 
single best performance of the year, um, hands down, in a year where we had like really good performances like Cumberbatch in Power of Dog, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> just seeing if you, anyone was still listening there. Um, yeah, I think she is... Um, I thought she was just like a revelation in the movie. And I, I've always liked Rebecca Hall, but like it really, really, really hit home. Uh, other things I love about this movie, this movie is has very, very good use of sound. I would say exceptional use of sound design. Um, I love, what I love about this movie as, as a genre horror movie is um, the shifting of the rules of the genre and how he's playing with um, how how horror movie handles its jump scares, I think is really innovative in this movie. Uh, there's there's mm-hmm. a specific sequence where kind of all hell breaks loose and it's kind of in the middle of the movie. Um, that's done in a way that I haven't seen another horror movie handle, like shock or like, I feel like he has reinvented the jump scare in a way that's like not predictable and not tired and, and it's genuinely unsettling and like it, it, it's it's less like getting a jump scare and more like getting like smacked out your body. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, what the hell's going on? And oh yeah, and dragged back into it. Oh, yeah. So I think I think he's a uh, I think um, the guy who directed it is David Buckner. Um, David Bruckner, sorry. I think he is a huge talent. Immediately after watching this movie, I went back and watched his last movie, which was the Netflix original. Um, which off the top of my head, I can't remember the Ritual. The Ritual. Yeah, which yeah. is a awesome fucking awesome horror movie um so this guy is like he's right on track he's i for me the most interesting new horror director um i'm almost more excited to see what he does next than i am to see what ariasta does next because i feel like mm. i feel like what's really interesting about um bruckner is he's playing in a mainstream market and i think that's super interesting i love how he's um he's doing what he's doing but it's the the He's making a more mainstream product than Aster is, um, while still keeping it like really fresh, really artistic, really interesting. Um, the movie has great cinematography, um, great performances um, all around, really. But obviously, hinges on Rebecca Hall. It's make or break. If she can pull off this movie, the movie sings, and she does. Um, I love the resolution of the movie. I like. I I pretty much like everything about it. Like it's a genre movie and I love how my favorite movie of the year is a genre movie, um, as opposed to being anything else. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't sing its praises high enough, high enough. I think, um, everybody should give it a shot. Um, I think it's in like, I think it's going to be criminal that she's going to get completely overlooked. Like I doubt she gets a single nomination. Um, and, Oh yeah. I haven't even seen this movie popping above people, best people's best self lists, which I think is crazy. Um, because yeah, yeah. this, yeah. yeah, this movie is for. I mean, for a horror, for a horror movie, it was it was one of the best horror movies that I think was out there. And, um, was this movie always your number one? Truthfully, it wasn't. Um, there was a period of time where I thought Candyman was my number one. Um, but I I feel like on rewatching Candyman, it really solidified how I felt about the Night House even more. Um. Candyman has its own strengths, so the night, you know. Yeah. So the night house was always on your list then. Oh yeah, I knew it was going to be really high. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure out my top three. I was really struggling with that, and like, mm. I knew it was always, it was always going to be really high. Um, 
and I think like compiling my list made me realize, you know what I mean? Like how much, how much I really, really like it. And, um, I, I think what I like about it too is like, I'm, like I said before, I am a real fan of like genre movies and I'm, I'm a real fan of like Stephen King-esque, like, um, creepy kind of like, you know, personal alone in the woods kind of movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I feel like why I really like this is I feel it justifies or vindicates my like of those kind of movies. You know what else? You know what other movie kind of did that? Uh, the um, Doctor Sleep movie um, also did that for me, where it oh, it was yeah. so well made, it was so fucking well made that it it it, it kind of like it just gave vindication to that whole genre, where it's like Stephen King oh, acti- yeah. adaptations can be really really good, other than The Shining, because I put The Shining in a vacuum in a bubble because it doesn't really it it's it doesn't play in the field like with all of the others, but in a glut of like um horror movies that get released like it's so nice yeah. when you see something where you're like okay that just proves why i can enjoy jump scares and i can enjoy like almost shocky sentimentality but it can still be really really fresh and really really well done and that's what this movie is to me it's like it's like it's the ultimate and i don't i don't say junk food in a derogatory way because i don't mean it like that but it's it's the ultimate like it's the ultimate version of it's what it's doing. Like, I think it's the best version of that kind of a movie that's came out in a long time. Um, so yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's one that I want to see again. I can't wait till it comes out so I can watch it again. Um, yeah, I, it did, it did some stuff in the end where it, it worked on so many different layers that, uh, I just wanted to talk about it and talk about it more and more. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm happy it's on my list. Okay, great. Great. Yeah. Okay. So let's do it, Eric. Blow my mind. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to blow your mind. I was wrong, by the way. Uh, I know I was wrong. You were, you were wrong about what? You're number one. I was wrong. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> my number one. Uh, was a movie that um, was was so shockingly good that uh, I was I was really surprised that I liked it as much as I did. Um, and it is a movie that we had discussed discussed at length, um, and it just it opened up so many layers, so many more layers as we were talking about it as I was thinking about the characters and it is um, it's one of those movies that makes you think one thing about a character and, and kind of subverts you in forgetting about who is really kind of running the show in the, in this movie. Uh, my number one is power of the dog. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of those movies that just kind of it took me it took me kind of away with it. I mean, it's it's shot incredibly. It it looks like a painting, like every every like every frame of it just looks like a a a painting from a master. Um, Cumberbatch kills it. Uh, The relationship between 
Peter and Philip, I think is one of the most intense relationships uh, that we had in, in 2021. Um, <clears throat> and the, the vulnerability of uh, uh, Philip, who's a uh, played by Cumberbatch and Peter, um, their relationship and how they kind of they play off one uh, off one another and like who's really in control and and who who is the most scariest person in that movie, who's the most dangerous person in that movie, um, and they're supported by a great cast. It, everything about it. I mean, every every single thing about that movie. Um, I I don't want to say that I wanted more, but I I was I was not disappointed by any single thing uh, that that movie had to offer. I think like every every calorie was kind of worth it. And it's like a return, a, a return from a master uh, at what she is doing, and uh, I'm super interested to to see what what net what she's going to work on next. Um, it was one of the re- one of the things that made me really interested in in uh, watching more uh, from uh, Cumberbatch and. And what he has to offer, and he, and he just kind of he almost transcended uh, everything that I had seen him in to this point. He just he became something else in this movie, um, and it really kind of it blew me away. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't think I'm going to see um, another movie quite like this in a while. It, it just it had a special quality that that I don't I don't know that I've I've seen in quite some time. So so yeah, uh, Power of the Dog I think was by far one of the best of 2021. Uh, contrary to what other people are saying about other movies and 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 how lists are made stuff like this, I just I don't see this being dethroned in any way for this year. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to say something just so everybody at home understands this and like, just so people maybe understand how my brain works. Um, I, I think power of the dog is the best movie of 2021 without, without question. Mm -hmm. I said that when we watched it, we both said that when we watched it, we both were like super high on the hog when we watched that movie you might be saying, well, Scott, that's crazy because it didn't make your top... T-. The reason I didn't put it in my top 10 is because it's it's a really weird thing to break down. But, like, I know that that's the best movie of the year. It is the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. It's unquestionably the best movie, in my opinion, of the year. I included movies that I was more like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I was... In, I, oh, yeah. I, I was going a bit more from the heart rather than my head. But my head is 100%... Mm-hmm with you eric on that like 100 percent, like without without like it is the best movie of the year yeah uh, yeah i mean i i really i i like i like your list a lot i i like that it's i can tell that there are movies that you pick because they meant something special to you you yeah. got something out of those those movies that uh, 
maybe no one else would have or or i mean that's that's what it's all about it's about like it's about connecting with that that thing on the screen and and it, it's different for everyone mm-hmm. so yeah totally uh, i i mean i know yeah i know that you like power of dog no question but i like that you that you put Nighthouse at your number one because it resonated with you in the same way that power of the dog resonated with me. So for sure, that's what's yeah. kind of cool about this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, it's exciting. And I think that's, that's also why you and I do this because like we, we love talking about movies, you know what I mean? We love talking about, oh, yeah. we love yeah. talking about performances and we love talking about like, like everything to do about movies and and that's all this show is it's just an extension of your and i's friendship and 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 our Mm -hmm. mutual love of movies and the fact that like we um we've seen so many movies and we know so much about movies and also that we don't always have the same taste in movies but we like we geek off we like geek out about things you know i mean and like we're interested in what other people like each other has to say about certain movies and like so really wrapping up our list and like and in you know you have power at the dog number one we have lighthouse at number one and the variances in our list i think it's just part of that's part of the show that's part of our dynamic that's in like to wrap the whole thing up like it's been a year where we started a podcast which we neither of us have ever done um you know in a time where like going to the movies was no longer really a, a normal thing to do and it, it, it became like this this weird new experience this weird new landscape um with streaming from home watching movies from home and um just the whole journey of the year you know like figuring out what what we're going to watch figuring out when we're going to go all of that you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's uh it's something that i really look forward to so um i think we're i think we're it's just going to get better as it kind of goes on uh, throughout the years so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to to what next year's list is going to be oh yeah it's going to be interesting i i have a feeling that the norseman's going to be on it i have a sneaking suspicion <laughs> unless something crazy happens that it's not good but we'll see we'll see <laughs> i don't know i doubt it okay well thanks eric i just want to take this time normally i thank a bunch of other people but i'm going to take this a little bit before we end and I want to thank you, Eric. I want to thank you for for doing this with me, for putting up with me being crazy and and taking my time to get <laughs> episodes out and like being like, Eric, I need you to move your mic. Eric, Eric, I need you to like change the way your mic is and like all of the hassle of the setup and everything. So I want to take this uh, opportunity to thank Eric for being my co-host, being a very dear friend of mine, and um, for sharing something that I really, really love and honestly, truthfully, one of the few things left that actually makes me happy anymore this movies and um <laughs> so it's been such a pleasure doing this with you eric and i was so excited for your list and i thought you were going to pick june as your number one for a sneak it's for a sneaking second there, i was like it's june it's going to be june so um congrats on giving me the switcheroo there i thought i had it pegged <laughs> but i didn't it's funny you know i <laughs> yeah i didn't put june in my top 10 and that's another one it's not that i didn't love the movie i loved it i don't know why i just wasn't thinking of it when i was writing my list no, I mean, um, I like, like I said, I think if it was a completed work, it, it might have taken over that number one spot. But um, just, just because, I mean, it, 
what it's supposed to be like 2023 it could be number one in 2023 so which is oh, yeah, really interesting sure. so is he only doing yeah, is he yeah. is it only the one more he's only doing one more isn't it it's a two-part and that's it i yeah i really yeah i don't know if he's going to get into the other thing so we'll just have to see on that one um no i i i wanted to say i you know i appreciate uh i appreciate the opportunity to kind of to do all this with you and and really get to reanalyze um my love of movies as well because there was a period there where you know we're leading up to into the pandemic and through and through like 2020 and like the whole thing i just kind of really fell off and just stopped watching movies because i just i really couldn't appreciate them the way that i did and i think that doing this and and talking to you about it and everything really kind of reaffirms that that kind of love of of getting to talk to someone who appreciates uh movies just as much as as much as we do so yeah i really appreciate that about you scott why thank you why thank you it's a, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure um to oh, yeah. to be part of this okay well you've made it to the end of the episode give yourselves a pat on the back um go get yourself uh, a white claw celebrate yeah. crack open a nice fresh black cherry white claw and um thank you everybody thanks everybody for listening thank you to zach yeah. jason chris everybody that's been involved it's going to be interesting 2020 let's see how how we can grow um look forward to more collaborations look forward to me and eric really getting in the nitty-gritty and like um you know really actually i'm kind of looking forward i think you know, we're going to probably, over the course of the year, do some of our older movies like we did with, like, uh, Don't Look Now. Um, should be some fun opportunities to do some themed episodes on directors or back catalogs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There's really... Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's wide open. We could do anything we want, so it's going to be really, really awesome. Yeah. I can't wait till we do one on Under the Skin, which I know... Oh, yeah. You're wanting me to watch. So that's going to be, I think, early on in the year, so... yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be a great. I can't wait to talk about that movie. That fucking movie rules. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Eric. Uh, uh, thanks again. And uh, thanks, everybody. And have have yourself a wonderful day, whatever it is, whatever time of day it is, whatever you're going to do. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. See you later. Yeah. Happy 2022, guys. <laughs>